We got involved through Help Through Crisis. One of the things we were asked to do was really look at understanding what families in Hull look like. Now, the government runs the Troubled Families Programme, but behind that, we start to collect an awful lot of information. And what we wanted to do was make this information available to colleagues at CAB to understand where we could actually deploy the crisis service. So we actually started from a position of, where are these people, but what are the problems? So in Hull... We're targeted to work with 3,500 families over five years. The reality is we'll work with so many thousand more, and we already do. But actually, the government says we want to see you turn around, turn around the lives, achieve significant, sustained improvement, whichever language you want to use, because they change it frequently, but generally support families to make changes and improvements to their life. So 3,500. So what do they look like? We are at the moment, or have worked with up to two and a half thousand families in three years. We don't go looking for those families, we don't do data trolls, we don't advertise. Those are families that are literally coming through the doors day after day after day. And we increase the families in this programme by between 30 and 50 every single week. We expect over the next year that will increase to somewhere between 70 and 100. Now part of the limits of that are in terms of collecting what we collect is having people that can physically gather the information and demonstrate that families are eligible for the programme. We know there are more out there, but sitting behind this, and we'll show a little bit more later, is such a raft of data that we send to central government that helps them measure impact both on a personal level. So we look at families as a family unit, but also as individuals within a family. So we don't just look at 2.2 children to use a nuclear family example. We look at mum, dad, child one, child two, child three, child four, and look at the issues for each of those individuals. Now, we'll explain the types of things that we're finding with those families, but actually, we've got to handle all those issues, whether they're parental or whether they're with the child. So there are some real challenges there. So as I looked at the figures at the beginning of the week when I sent the presentation in, we are working with 1,413 families. They are open caseload as we stand here now. And within those families, over 5,000 people, 5,175 people. So our typical family size is three to four people per family. But actually, we know there are some families that are one parent, three children. Our biggest families have got eight or nine people in those families, and they're bringing issues in the tens. Now, there is a payment element behind this program for the local authority. But actually, until we have resolved those 10 issues in line with a plan that we submit to government, they will not pay us a penny. Once we've dealt with all 10 issues, they give us the amazing sum of £800. Now, we can work with those families for 18 months to two years, and some of the team that are working with those families are in the room today. Their challenges are phenomenal, and I'll, I'll explain a little bit more about those. So our family shape, and the, the graph should be just about readable. Um, of the active families, we broke them down by age profile. So we can see that the bulk of children are between 5 and 10. And typically, the parents are 25 to 34. However, you'll notice at the extremes, we've got some adults at 65 and over that have parental responsibility as well. We have the highest levels to work with in the Humber region. Our results that we have to achieve are more than the entire South Bank of the Humber put together, which sort of sets into context the issues in Hull compared to the rest of the Humber sub-region. It is immensely high. But actually, put aside the politics behind the programme and some of the narrative that comes out of central government, what we're actually trying to do is support families to achieve improvement for their families and set them on the right path.
So where did we decide where we wanted to deploy the health or crisis service? We started to look at where our demand came from, where the families were located, but also those areas that we know are highly deprived. And we then we looked at co-locating those services with us. So those services operate out of local children's centres. They operate in a number of different areas. What we didn't want to do was say, well, we'll support the programme, but not give you anywhere to put it. So we'll send them all into the city centre. But immediately, if I think about this programme, for a parent to get for an appointment at three o'clock in the middle of Hull, they're likely to take their children out of school because they won't be back in time, or they won't turn up. And then they've got the whole cost of getting from the far end of East Hull to the middle of Hull and back, all of which adds to the burden of the families. And financial crisis is a key element that comes through some of our cases. So we wanted it to be locally accessed in places that people actually use and we knew we had the footfall. We'll get this map out with the packs afterwards, I think, if we can, or we can get it emailed out to the mailing list, because actually it's a bit difficult. Can I just grab the microphone? Oh, yeah. I need to hold it really close. Thank you. So what we've got, and it's easier to pull up and show you, the red areas are actually areas of deprivation in the city. So you can see that in terms of wards and what are called super outlet areas, significant parts of Hull are deprived nationally. And that is important to know. So that says that within those areas we know the levels of deprivation. What you may not be able to see very clearly from the back are those pink blobs, or purple blobs. And I apologise because I'm very cold line, so they all look sort of purple pink to me. <laughs> I do ask the team not to put green blobs on the maps and they've led not to do that because I can't see the thing. Um, those are the families that are included in this 2,694. We don't go look for them from those areas. We actually pick those up. Those are the families that are coming to us now for us to work with them. And you can see they are all on the whole coming from those deprived areas. So actually some of our access points for health through crisis are in Marfleet and Southcoats, in Brantome, Orchard Park, Greenwood, the Bilton and Long Hill areas. They are in there in the children's centres. And that, that shows that actually that's where that demand is. I think because you've got a session on housing, I wanted to sort of just briefly touch on where these families came from. And we did, we did an exercise last June and we repeat the exercise annually. So I've not updated these figures because actually it's quite a lot of work. But actually more than 50% of the families are in rented accommodation either with the local authority or with other res registered social landlords in the city. There's an increasing number in private rents. As we track that over the course of a number of years, we can see there are more people in private rents coming into the programme. And actually over 100 people own their own homes. Now what that says about the changing dynamic of people's lives, where the work is going, whether people can afford that, but actually it's working people that are coming to us as well. So these families that need this additional support are not people living in council houses with no jobs. Some of these are people that have jobs on their own home, but maybe have a low income job, zero hours contracts. So people are coming to us from all different circumstances. Now a few years ago, I think that would have looked very different. So we are tracking that and looking at that, how the demographic and how the needs of the city are actually moving and changing. So families come to us to be included in the programme, they have to have one of two issues, and I'll go through what the issues are shortly. So they have to have two of six issues. Typically the families have between three and four. Some of the families have eight, and now we've seen some with 10, 11 and 12. Now those are complex families with a range of needs. So... We took a snapshot of all the families on the 31st of March this year, looked at the 5,050 issues they had between the 1,400 of them. 
So you can see that when you go through the door, you're not dealing with one thing. You are dealing with four, five, six, seven issues. So the table on the left, you can see families with five issues has increased. Last year it was in single, it was in double figures. It's now in treble figures and rising. The number of families with two reasons is decreasing. Largely because I think we can tackle those issues quickly, but actually what we find is more complex issues. Now, somebody might be referred to us because the child's not attending school and because of financial hardship, for example. But actually, when we sit down and talk to them, we then uncover that there is parental or child mental health, they're engaged with CAMS, they're engaged with other services. All of those issues have to be resolved for this £800 magical payment. Now, for me, this isn't about the money. And I argue with my director regularly because she thinks it is about the money and it isn't. So it, this is about supporting people to become sustainable in their lives and actually to be able to, to function normally and not to be relying on us as public services, private services, voluntary sector agencies, to actually live just a basic life. Yeah, people have that entitlement. So in terms of the reasons why families are coming in, children who need help, that's quite a broad catch-all. And I'll go down into these in a bit more detail. Families with health problem is quite common. Now, this programme came out of the 2011-2012 riots in London and they wanted to tackle gangs of youths and antisocial behaviour and crime and get everybody into work. That's how it started. But actually, crime and antisocial behaviour is not the biggest issue we see now. It's still there and it's in a number of families, but actually it's the lowest reason people are brought into this programme. It's that families need help for their children, they need help with their health problems, their unemployment levels, and the other one is school attendance. So if I break it down, children are not attending school, that 403 are broken down into six key areas for us. Persistent absence, that is actually children that are not attending school 90% of the time. So that is a big ask for a family where the child is maybe going three days a week, they're only at 60%. We've got to get them up to 90% and hold them there for three consecutive school terms. So we work with this family, we do the work, we get the child to school. We've got to keep them there for a year. Now at the moment, we've got 304 children in that category. If we start working with them, we get them to go to school, we get an improvement, we get them there eight days out of ten. If they were only going four days out of ten, that's a massive improvement. But the government says you've got to get them there nine days out of ten consistently for a year before we'll give you that as a successful outcome. Now, ourselves along with other local authorities, we're saying, actually, we've got to look at where these families are starting from. If they're starting from the child going one day out of ten, if we can get them to six days out of ten, that might be the absolute best we can do. But actually, that gives that child a better set of life chances going forward. And the government are now starting to accept that if we can make a 50 percentage point improvement, i.e. beyond 50% as well, then they will accept that. But they still really want us to get to the 90%, which is what the DfE say, all children should be going to school with no unauthorised absence 90% of the time. We also look at fixed term exclusions, because actually if a child's not in school and been excluded from school for whatever reason, again, their life chances aren't as good. And we have fewer of those, and permanent exclusions are even lower. But what we see is a number of children that are going through pupil referral units. That's PIU. And then there's a small group who are missing from school. And they're probably being classed as the parents as home educated, but whether they're being home educated is difficult for us to prove. But actually, that does capture those there. And then 16 to 18 as well, because actually you're in statutory education, employment, or an apprenticeship till you're 18. Those are the legal requirements. 
And actually in Hull, our NEAT levels and children that fall into that category is good. We have a lot of good work going on and we don't lose many children. And the ones that are falling through, we find them and we work with them. And that's done outside of this programme, but there is a lot of good work that does go on. Crime and social behaviour, I'm not going to dwell on because actually this is fairly low. We do pick up young people offenders, so we pick that up through youth offending team and through the police and those are direct reports. The ASB intervention service, so we have an interventions officer and that's where a child is on an acceptable behaviour contract and that's about preventing the criminalisation of the child. So we're working with the child, quite often with the families and doing parenting work with the families and the parenting team at the back if you've not spoken to them. They've got lots of good things to show, tell and be able to work with you with. So, sorry, Karen, I'm just giving you more work. <laughs> um, adult prisoners, where a parent is in prison. And actually, I th- this was high, but actually that number's come down. So that's actually quite positive. But actually, if a parent goes into prison, that can immediately trigger a crisis in that family. And that if the parent that goes into prison is really good with their parenting skills and is making sure that the children are going to school, that goes awry. We end up with a situation where child stops going to school, the family goes into crisis, the other parent can't cope with what's going on, and all of a sudden we've got a family that's eligible for the programme, but more similarly is ringing lots of different agencies saying, I need some help. And then equivalent crime concern, and that's usually low level or picking up some antisocial behaviour as well. So we've got a catch-all there that allows us to sort of make a family eligible to put that support in place. 513 of our families are on out-of-work benefits. We don't include families that are on disability benefits in there because actually they may be on those disability benefits for their life. They're not going to come off those benefits. And I caught the end of a conversation and I don't want to sort of open up all sores or wounds on that one. Um, we do have two members of DWP working with us in the team. They're placed with us for another two years and they're working with the job centre and with our staff to make sure that people aren't put into a position of further hardship. So we had one example of somebody who'd been a victim of very serious domestic abuse and that affected their ability to actually go out on their own. They just were frightened, couldn't leave the house. And they were about to be sanctioned on the benefits. And actually, we picked that up through the work we were doing with that family. Our DWP workers went in and we prevented the sanction from happening so that we could buy some time to do some work with that family to build up the confidence to be able to get them to be able to re-engage in those services. A success story, a very small success story, but actually it shows the power of working together and actually having a common understanding of what we're trying to achieve. So actually, small steps, but actually that's really vital for actually supporting these families. They're not all in what I'd call direct crisis, but these are families that need help. And actually, at some point, if we don't intervene, support them and give them the help that they're asking for, they will come to us in crisis. So I'm not in employment, education and training is aimed at our 16 to 18 year old cohort. And financial exclusion, and this is a moving feast. Families don't always declare that, but actually we're picking up families that have got no income, have not maximised their benefits, they don't understand what they're entitled to. So we do work with those families as well to make sure that we can actually get them back on a sound path. We've worked very closely with colleagues in CAB in terms of working with their staff and getting people to be able to get their finances in order. We don't use the language debt-free within our teams. It's about being able to manage the money that they've come in better, being able to put food on the back, clothes, and keep the roof over their head and being able to switch the power and heating on. They'll focus in on the basics, but actually get the basics right. If you're worrying about where your next meal's coming from, where whether you can actually afford to heat your house, then actually getting a job isn't the top of your list at that point because actually what you're trying to do is fight to survive. So we've got to get into that sort of thinking of we don't want families just surviving, we want them to be able to live a life. 
Domestic abuse is a massive issue in the city. I dare say that anybody that's gone into anybody's property at some point in the last week will have come across somebody that's been involved in domestic abuse, whether as a perpetrator or a victim. We pick up information from the DAP service. We also get call-out information from the police, i.e. where they've been called out to properties. So this is based on what is happening, and it's live and current, and that's live information to us. Um, we do work with the families of perpetrators because actually we have families within the Strength to Change programme and in other male perpetrator programmes. And it's important, actually, if we can disrupt and stop and prevent that behaviour, then again, we can keep a family together. But if that family's broken apart, working with the perpetrators is still important because it's like they'll go into another relationship. And actually, if they can go into a relationship where they are not committed domestic abuse, then that in turn means that we don't have another family come to us later down the line with a similar set of crisis issues. Children who need help. This is a bizarre one because the government sends this to you and they give you the head of children who need help in the guidelines and that's all it says. So we're free to define that however we want. Um, we've tried to break it down into the non-statutory and the statutory. So early help is where people are coming for just general support, advice, work through children's centres, using facilities that are available, target, uh, targeted pregnancy work, etc. So we see a lot of families that way. Child in need are where they come through social services. Children's social care have a SIN plan, child in need plan. We do pick those children up, and the work that's been done by social work is also captured as part of this programme. Those that are on child protection plan, and you look at those numbers, these are open families now to us. Huge numbers, there's over a 1,000 there on a child protection plan or child in need plan in the city. That's only a quarter of the families that are actually in the, in the system at the moment. So there is a very, very high demand and a high level of support that is being demanded and being given in the city. We also look at whether people are taking up the two-year-old provision and actually why aren't they taking up three nursery places that are available um, to be able to look at that support as well. And then probably more significant in there is those at risk of exploitation. So we're picking all of those up to bring those in the programme. And all of this is mapped out and was actually part of the decisions that we made in terms of how health through crisis and ourselves could link together. Then the last one, health, the biggest issue for me. Emotional and mental health, adult and child. I don't think I'll come as a surprise to anyone in the room, really. It is prevalent. It's high, far higher than drug and substance misuse. And actually, how do we support that? Because actually, these families won't resolve mental health. The government has this ideology that you work with a family for a period of time, you do an intervention, everything goes all right, and you have to wait a period of six months that you've sustained the work, and at the end of six months, everything's rosy. It doesn't work. It doesn't help. We will be working and supporting that family for far longer than that period of time. And actually, at what point do you step away? And I guess that's questions everybody that works with vulnerable families ask themselves. When do you step away? We don't just step away for the money. Yeah, this program isn't about money for us, it's about working with families. So from that perspective, it is really, really important that we have the families engaging with the levels of support that they need. And once they're in proper support, that's when we actually could say we are starting to achieve some success because the first steps are actually saying I need help and then engaging with that help. So we look at the new parent support that is given, other health concerns with the families and that's a bit of a catch-all for us to pick things up um, and that could be that families are going not fully engaging with the health support that they need but we try and pick that up. 
And obviously the last one is supporting families with special education needs and disabilities and where those support needs are there. Throughout all of this, we don't do this on our own. We work with pretty much most of the organisations sat in this room in some way, shape or form. We actually understand what crisis means. I think at first when the programmes deployed with us, we thought purely financial. We put lots of financial type issues into CAB, but I think between us and through the ongoing dialogue of the last year to 18 months, we understand what it looks like. We understand who we can talk to and who is best placed to work. As a local authority, we don't have the skills for everything. We want to work with organisations that can provide the right, proper and timely expertise, and that's key for us. And it's really, really important, the multi-agency response. We need to build relationships. We need to talk to people. We need to look at how these services are funded, and it's important that we have longevity in this programme. The funding for it stops in 2020. Families with crisis and with needs doesn't stop on the 31st of March 2020. It will continue long after. What we've got to find a way of doing as a local authority is building continuity and making this norm and the day job. And that presents challenges for us on decreasing budgets, but we will find a way of doing that. Have we been successful? Well, we've actually achieved full outcomes with 834 families. That's a quarter of what we've got to work with nationally. Solve 2,452 family issues. Typically, those are families with three, three and a half, four issues. They are not the high-end families that we've got these results with. The families with six, seven and eight, the ones with really complex needs. And we do achieve successful outcomes with 22 families a week. But the front door... It's been up far more times than we're closing the door behind people saying, well done, and if you need continued help, we're still here. And that, for me, is a telling story of where the city is at. Now, we've worked with and resolved, in part, issues with another 1,300 families, uh, 1,300 issues, 600 families. We're still working with those. They're part of that 1,400. There is a lot more issues still to resolve. Yeah, there's another... 4,400 still outstanding that I mentioned from the 31st of March. So there is a revolving door here. And there's also an acceptance that if I put it in programme terms, we'll never achieve success with those families, but it's the right thing to do to work with them. And that's ethically where we've got to be as a local authority and a set of services. Is this is not about numbers. This is not about government statistics. This is about helping real families. So have we achieved success? In part... The job will never be done, but actually if we can intervene earlier with the right services at the right time, we can prevent more families getting into crisis. And really that's what we've got to set our ambition at and maintain that ambition is as a service, that's where we need to be. Thank you.